You are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. In our Bible, there are four different accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus. We call them Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and each one has a little bit of a different perspective on things, and I value those different perspectives, especially now as we approach Christmas when we remember the birth of Jesus and some of those well-loved accounts, those stories that are so deeply ingrained in our minds come from the Gospels and thinking about the, the life of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. The, uh, each Gospel has a little bit different angle on that story. In Matthew's Gospel, we read a lot about Joseph and Mary and Joseph's dreams. We read about the angel coming to Joseph and Mary. We read about the Magi who come from far away bearing gifts for the newborn king. In Luke's gospel, we read about shepherds and angels. We hear Mary singing a song that we call the Magnificat, about turning the world upside down. And we hear about the angels singing a song of peace and goodwill for everybody. John's gospel, the fourth gospel, is a little different than the other three. It's more poetic, some would say more theological. And John's birth account talks about the word being made flesh and dwelling among us full of grace and truth. It talks about light shining in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So those three gospels do all this evocative description of the birth of Jesus. And then there's Mark. (laughs) Well, Mark's gospel is the shortest of the four gospels. And It seems like Mark was sort of a let's get to the point kind of guy, kind of of like no nonsense, no frills, let's just cut to the essence of things. And Mark's gospel is the assigned lectionary reading for today that we're going to hear. And those first eight verses of Mark's gospel are essentially the birth narrative. Um, But you won't hear about a baby, you won't hear about angels, you'll hear an announcement You'll hear about the prophecy from Isaiah, and you'll hear a little bit from John the Baptist. Listen for God's word that comes to us from the first eight verses of Mark's gospel, and I'm reading from the message version of the Bible. The good news of Jesus Christ, the message, begins here, following to the letter, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Watch closely. I'm sending my preacher ahead of you. He'll make the road smooth for you. Thunder in the desert, prepare for God's arrival. Make the road smooth and straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wild, preaching a baptism of life change that leads to the forgiveness of sins. People thronged to him from Judea and Jerusalem, and as they confessed their sins were baptized by him in the Jordan River into a changed life. John wore a camel hair habit tied at the waist with a leather belt. He ate locusts and wild field honey. As he preached, he said, the real action comes next. This star in the drama 
to whom I'm a mere stagehand, will change your life. I'm baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life in for a kingdom life. His baptism, a holy baptism by the Holy Spirit, will change you from the inside out. Thanks be to God for the words of Scripture. So above all else, the Christian life is about good news. So while we could easily chastise Mark for being a little boring and not having a little more dramatic and literary flair in the gospel, no angels, no shepherds, no Grinch, none of that, you know, there's nothing, nothing in the gospel that catches our attention, so to speak, but he gets it right by focusing on the good news and reminding us that we are people of good news. In the message version that we read today, it says the good news of Jesus Christ, the message begins here. The New Revised Standard Version of the Scripture, which is a little bit more of a scholarly, literal translation, recognizes that in the Greek, there's no verb in that first phrase. It's more like a headline. It's more like an announcement. It's like a banner at the top of your screen saying, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Something new is starting. Something is beginning. And it has something to do with good news. Yes, the other Gospels have all that other stuff in it, but Mark gets it right with the good news. So as we read the Gospel, this Gospel, any Gospel, as we gather for church, as we seek to live Christian lives, we need to remember that fundamentally we are people of good news. That good news began, according to Mark's Gospel, 2,000 years ago, and it continues today. The story continues unfolding today. The good news is that God has come into the world in this person of Jesus Christ to proclaim something new, this kingdom of God, this realm of God, this new reality of God, and to call ordinary people like us to repent, to turn around, to change direction, and to follow, and to live with a new sense of purpose and clarity, the kingdom of God. A big part of this new direction, this new purpose, this new kingdom is this idea of peace, biblical idea of shalom, of wholeness, of wellness, of lack of conflict. During this Advent season, we're focusing on peace, and our inspiration comes to us from another gospel, from Luke's gospel, where Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, sings this long song and concludes with these wonderful words that you heard earlier in the service while we were lighting the Advent candles. But the the hope is that the one who's coming will guide our feet in the way of peace. So there's an invitation to a journey. There's an invitation to take a trip. There's an invitation to put one foot in front of the other and follow and walk in this new way of peace. And that's what we're trying to do this season and really, really always. So over the season of Advent... We're focusing on peace over the four Sundays. Last Sunday, we looked at peace on earth, peace around the world, thinking a little bit about Israel, thinking a little bit about Guatemala, thinking about other places, I'm sure, as well. Today, we're focusing on the USA and maybe our community at large. Next week, narrowing the focus a little bit more, family and friends as those holiday gatherings fast approach. And then Christmas Eve, we'll think at least a little bit about peace in each of us individually. The Bible talks about peace repeatedly. The scripture makes mention of a son who will be born as a prince of peace. When Jesus was born, the angel sang a song of peace. Jesus told his disciples, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. 
Jesus commended the peacemakers, saying that they would be called children of God. The Apostle Paul challenges the church to be at peace with one another and to be ministers of reconciliation, of healing. So as we focus on second week, looking at the country in which we live and the communities in which we find ourselves, the sad reality is that we are not at peace. We are a people divided in our country in all sorts of ways. The divisions are tearing the fabric of our country apart, <clears throat> and it's threatening our democracy. In the last week or two, there's even been talk about dictatorship in the good old USA, and that's deeply troubling. Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, whatever. There's some deeply troubling um, conversations and, and words being used in our um, culture right now. And the sad thing is that a lot of those words are coming from people who call themselves Christians. Russell Moore um, was a high-ranking leader in the Southern Baptist Convention many years ago. Um, for many years, he was an up-and-coming leader, um, but he left that denomination, the largest denomination in our country and probably the most, one, of the, one of the most conservative denominations. He left um, about seven years ago concerned about anger and hatred and ignorance and, and lying, and he's written a book <clears throat> that's called Losing Our Religion, an Altar Call for Evangelical America. I have not read the book. I've read several reviews of it, and I've listened to um, interviews with Russell Moore, and I've known of his work for a while. He's a very conservative Christian person who's very concerned about the state in our country right now. <clears throat> and in one of the interviews that I heard, he was describing, convert he talks to pastors all the time, and he said in this interview, multiple pastors tell me essentially the same story about quoting the Sermon on the Mount parenthetically in their preaching, turn the other cheek, only to have someone come up after and say, where did you get those liberal talking points? Russell Moore continues in this interview, he says, and what was alarming to me is that in most of these scenarios, when the pastor would say, I'm literally quoting Jesus Christ, the response would not be, I apologize. The response would be, yes, but that doesn't work anymore. That's weak. So he's hearing these sorts of conversations. I think he's generalizing a lot of conversations that he's heard. He's hearing this from lots of pastors around the country who are finding the words of Jesus irrelevant and weak. So love your neighbor. Turn the other cheek. Be kind to one another. Love your enemy. Apparently those are not appropriate anymore. And um, a large, noticeable size of the Christian population is not willing to engage with those teachings. Instead of loving neighbors, the focus seems to be on racial or ethnic or national superiority, of saying we're number one in all sorts of ways, and lots of people would frame this as white nationalism. Uh, complicated and rather twisted theology and political viewpoint that elevates the white race above everybody else. It's rather concerning, demonizing anyone who's not like them. So in this context, knowing that all this is happening, and I think we all do, for me, this is an invitation for us who call ourselves Christians, who try to listen to the words of Jesus and try to honestly reflect on them and let them shape our lives, for us to be peacemakers, to find ways to be peacemakers in our world, to find that smooth and straight path towards God's love and justice and righteousness. A few weeks ago, I was at a small lunch gathering with a few other Christian pastors in the near west side of Madison, and we 
um, getting to know one another, talking about various situations in the community. We got talking about the violence in the Middle East and talking about how that's translating to contexts and communities here where Jewish people and Muslim people are getting attacked just for being who they are or looking like they might be something. And so we got thinking and decided to pool a little bit of money and wrote a note, sent a note with some flowers to a local synagogue and just expressing a sense of solidarity and, and appreciation and, and concern. And didn't think more of it until about a week later when the rabbi responded with a note, um, which I'm going to read in part for you. Um, it was a note of gratitude, and then he said, um, if I may suggest an addition to your message of support and love, I might also encourage your congregants to especially reach out to other marginalized communities in this area, as the neo-Nazis don't discriminate between Jew, LGBTQ, African-American, Latinx, Sikh, or other minority groups that joyfully make up the quilt of American life. We each need to be there for one another, and the need will only increase with the blunt and obscene coarsening of our society. The struggle to come will be fierce, and I appreciate you joining in. I love that imagery of a quilt, but I see ways that the threads of the quilt are being pulled apart. So in the face of all these challenges, which are very real and pretty serious, we could understandably start pointing our fingers at all the people who are to blame. Before we do that, if we even do that, I think we need to go back to the faith and back to the words of John the Baptist. And look what John the Baptist did. He came before Jesus, proclaiming that someone was coming after him, proclaiming this way of peace, and he started not with the Roman Empire or not with the other powerful political economic forces of the day, but he started with the people who were humble enough and faithful enough to come out into the wilderness where John the Baptist was and who were at least willing to be open to finding God's will. And he started with those people, and he told them, repent, turn around, get back on track, change your mind, change your lives, get oriented with God's kingdom, with God's justice, with God's righteousness, with God's shalom. It would be kind of like John the Baptist coming to our world today, and instead of talking to the neo-Nazis, he would come to church on the second Sunday of Advent and tell the people who were good enough to come to church that you need to repent, you need to turn around. And I think he's right. We all do. We can't just point fingers at other people. It starts with us. It reminds me of that wonderful song, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. We've got to start somewhere. And as we welcome this peace of God, as we understand this peace of God, then we can faithfully engage with the world around us and try to find ways of making peace in our society and building bridges of understanding with other people. I'm grateful for the ways this congregation is doing that. And I could talk all day about that, but I'm just going to highlight three ways that we're, we're doing that, that we're being peacemakers, that we're trying to hear this message of John the Baptist and trying to welcome God's peace. One way is by having connect events. This is led by our deacons, and we're having these wonderful gatherings of people coming together for spiritual strolls, for game nights, for um, having meals together, and just just kind of rubbing elbows with one another, remembering what it's like to have a conversation with one another. 
Um, you know, we've lost a lot during COVID and all the political strife. So just bringing people together in fellowship is a wonderful, beautiful thing. And I'm glad we have the chance to do that. I'm also grateful that we're a Matthew 25 congregation, peacemaking in a different way, actively trying to learn about structural racism and systemic poverty and thinking about ways that we can try to make the world a better place and work in collaboration with other people and understand that peace isn't just a warm feeling in my heart, but it involves um, social relationships as well. And the third and final way that I want to celebrate peacemaking here at Covenant Presbyterian Church today. Remember, I could talk all day about this, but I'm not going to because, you know, a lot going on. But the third and final way is passing the peace. Every Sunday we get together and worship. And for me, one of the highlights of that time is when we remember that we are loved and that we are forgiven. And then we share the peace of Christ. And people start shaking hands and fist bumping and waving and high-fiving and whatever else we do during that time in one way or another, verbally or not, sharing the peace of Christ. And I think that's really important. Week after week after week of doing that, I think something has to sink in, that we get this new sense or stronger sense of the reality of God's peace in us that we're meant to share. In the last couple of weeks, maybe you noticed, we've got a couple of screenshots from the video, we've had people standing up here in the front, thank you Theo and Elias for helping out today, st- holding up a sign for peace for our, our worshiping community at home. Hello people worshiping at home, we're glad you're part of this congregation, and we're glad we can share the peace with you, and I think that simple act reminds us that the peace that we share in this place is meant to go out the doors, it's meant to go out into the world, we're meant to share that peace with other people. Friends, the good news of the gospel that we celebrate at Christmas is that God has come to be with us in Jesus Christ, in the Prince of Peace, and to guide our feet on the long and slow journey, the way of peace. Thanks be to God. Amen.